Welcome to What's Next, Hornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hello and welcome to What's Next. I'm your host, David Asker, and this week we're going to be talking about I need information, not just data. And the focus of today's session will be on how can we use information from our core systems in order to make better portfolio decisions. On our last podcast, we heard from Darren and Francisco, understanding what kind of organization people want to be going forward, and that would determine the type of information they would need to make decisions. But now our focus in our session today will be, how do we get that data? What challenges do we have in getting that data? And what kind of decisions can we make going forward with that data when it becomes information? To help us out with this topic, we have three experts, Ken Carroll, Griffin James, and Eddie Demai. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Uh, Could you each take a minute to introduce yourselves? Ken, why don't we start with you? Sure. Thanks a lot, David, for uh, inviting me here. My name is Ken Carroll. I've been doing uh, software, mostly engineering software, for about 38 years. Ran my own startup for 16 years. And um, I've worked over the years for companies like Schneider Electric here at Deloitte on um, IoT, smart buildings, and a variety of related areas like that. Pretty happy to be here to talk about this. Great. Griffin? Thanks, David. This is Griffin James speaking. I'm part of Deloitte's corporate real estate transformation practice, where I focus on corporate real estate and facilities operating models, performance improvement strategies, and technology and data strategy. Happy to be here. And Eddie? Thanks, David. Appreciate you having me on here. Uh, Eddie Demi, I'm one of the co-founders at Code Labs. We're a real estate tech company that is basically uh, uses data out of real estate buildings and portfolios to drive a variety of different uh, operational energy efficiencies inside of real estate portfolios. Great. Why don't we get started with our first question? This is directed towards Griffin. Griffin, last year you did a survey with CoreNet talking about organizations and their what's their plan to use data and analytics. Can you give us some highlights of what you found in that survey? Thanks, David. This topic is near and dear to me since I also teach the Data-Driven Performance Improvement course in Cornet Global's Master of Corporate Real Estate series. And it's you know, there's so much opportunity on this topic, but it's also been an area of, of challenge for a lot of organizations, even some of the largest and, and most sophisticated corporate real estate teams. So we wanted to understand the current state of CRE or corporate real estate data and analytics strategies in the marketplace, identify any trends or perspectives that could be helpful, and establish some helpful references and benchmarks on this topic. For avoidance of doubt, when I say CRE data and analytics strategy, really talking about the development of strategies and plans, which involve the data models, data architecture, and analysis to identify actionable insights for the CRE function in the organization more broadly. But then there's also the ongoing management of this. Data analytics management is the overall process, tools, data governance programs, and policies that are really focused on data reliability and accuracy for CRE analysis and insight development. Broadly speaking, the research study, it was interesting. It showed a number of things. In general, most organizations and the ones we're talking about here are are typically established corporate real estate teams in the Fortune 200, heavy in financial services, tech, life sciences, and other industries. And we did see there's a lot of challenge and and a desire to move to a more proactive strategy around analytics. You know, a lot of organizations very bogged down in responding to needs that come up, 
but really having to do a lot of manual heavy lifting to, to get to the insights they're looking for. Data governance and disparate data continue to be the largest challenges on this topic. And we see corporate real estate and facilities teams really struggling with the number of systems that these data are spread across. So, you know, as an example, you know, over 75% of the organizations reported having a strategy of some sort, but feeling that they're really bogged down using their data in a very tactical way, right? And to that end, their strategy, it may help them you know, with data identification of data points, a data model, uh, what insights they're trying to drive for and the processes to do it, but really having a hard time connecting that to the broader strategy of the organization. So the, the majority of respondents or the, or the highest number of respondents indicated that the data and analytics are really used mostly for day-to-day tactical activities. And where we've seen a shift of late is a really, really heavy emphasis around space, occupancy, and workplace as the absolute highest priorities or data strategy domains that teams are focused on. The data indicate that particularly in the context of COVID-19, there's an imperative to really understand deeply and in real time during return to office and beyond what are workplace behaviors, what do we mean by utilization, how can we get sharper about it and understand the locations and space we need for the future. So those are some of the the high-level themes so far. I would say data governance, when I said that was a challenge, it's really over half of organizations indicated they didn't really have it. It's largely informal. And the majority of respondents also said that, you know, most of the time they don't really have the data standards they need to be successful. The number of major data sources involved here on this topic, you know, people, seats, space, other types of performance metrics, most major organizations having, you know, maybe over five, six, seven, or eight of these major sources that may be owned by different functions, right? So how do you establish those interaction models to get trusted data, use it, and put analytics insights in front of the business that, that makes sense and, and resonate with recognizable data? Uh, definitely sort of the North Star here that many struggle with. But maybe I'll pause there, David, see if you have any questions so far to the group. And it's a flavor of what we saw in this survey. Yeah. So Griffin, from what you're saying there, it really sounds like People might have some sort of plan or some sort of start at it, but they really don't have a nuts and bolts sort of tactical way to be able to pull this information in, use it in a consistent fashion to not just help with day-to-day activities, but really with strategy and how do you think about your portfolio on a holistic approach. That's correct. The majority of time, you know, there may be aspirations for higher levels of automation and strategic insight, but the majority of time these organizations are spending is on manipulating data manually, trying to connect some of these dots and addressing day-to-day activities. They know where they want to get. They know the potential of all the, you know, potential data sources out there for the future, but, you know, there's some data, some challenges buying them down. So really in a big aspect of this, is how does an organization move forward to take it from, hey, we know we'd like to accomplish X, to putting it into a plan and having components to it that will allow them to have an understanding of their strategy. Ken, you do a lot of work with clients helping them to put that in place. What are some of the things that an organization or a client should be thinking about as they develop their um, data strategy? Sure. So one thing I've seen over the years is people in all kinds of scenarios just putting in all kinds of sensors and not understanding the data and and the purpose of the data for those sensors. So what it really comes down to is, you know, to accomplish some business objectives like 
improving productivity or improving real estate efficiency. You generally work from figuring out, first of all, those business objectives, then identifying what data you need to help you accomplish those objectives. And oftentimes uh, that data can be provided by sensors. And uh, what I see a lot of these days is uh, two of the most popular types of sensors are occupancy sensors and indoor air quality sensors. And uh, these come in a, in a whole variety of types. And it's really important to understand what type or types you need to give you the data you're looking for. For example, with the uh, occupancy sensors, they can do things like just presence detection. For example, is there somebody sitting at a desk? It doesn't matter how many people may be in, in a place, but just that there's some human presence there. And the other type is people counting. And then the indoor air quality sensors often measure things like CO2 levels or the amount of particulate matter in the air. And if you think about even today, you know, with the, with the pandemic, et cetera, those kind of things are particularly important to know. Even elevated levels of CO2 tend to make a place very stuffy and unproductive for people. So you can use the data from these sensors to drive decisions or even operational actions like triggering ventilation or for more strategic kind of actions like altering you know, the layout of a, of a floor or your even your portfolio of real estate. So if you think, I mean, one of the most common use cases uh, I see is around occupancy. You know, people want to know sometimes just if there's presence or how many unique people are on a floor or in a room or real-time location uh, of people, that kind of thing. And that can be used for all kinds of purposes, like, for example, optimizing how much ventilation there is per occupant to make sure there is enough ventilation or looking at space utilization patterns. And the sensors that are you know, making those measurements are often connected wirelessly. So you can put them all around the place and they typically collect data, which is pulled into a gateway, which is a piece of hardware in the building and then transmitted usually uh, up to the cloud and then collated with uh, other data. And you know, data from those can help you do things like right size meeting rooms to improve utilization or track foot traffic and, uh, and that kind of stuff uh, to help you make it, you know, better informed decisions rather than using manual methods. You know, you have an automated means of collecting uh, data and that can be real-time data like at the moment or historical data that you use for, you know, for strategic decisions. So one of the important things though about that, in fact, a key thing is that, you know, these sensors and other things in a building need to be kind of joined together in some way. So if you think of a use case, for example, like an indoor air quality sensor, maybe detects elevated levels of some particulate matter in a room, well, that should trigger the HVAC system to respond appropriately, you know, to improve the ventilation in that room, you know, the amount of fresh air being brought into the room to dilute and get rid of that uh, particular matter. You know, so to make sure that these things work, the first thing you got to do is to be able to map sensors and building systems to different floor layouts uh, within a building so that you know that sensor A is in room one on the second floor and you know what ventilation systems operate for that room. And there are a variety of standards to help you there. There's a BIM which helps you import drawings and, and do mappings. And then there's things like Haystack and Brick, which can help you model all your, your assets. And that's where you really get into needing a, a platform to work with all of these that understands 
how to map from BIM models to floor plan, you know, with floor plans to sensors to building systems, and connect all that together to uh, your BMS and you know, all the various bits of building automation, and use all of that, you know, to orchestrate uh, and integrate all of that together to give you the kind of outcomes uh, that you're looking for, such as to have a healthier building or a building, you know, that actually has spaces within it that uh, that are used and are providing good productivity for people uh, within there. So uh, I'll, I'll pause there. Uh, do you have any questions on that? Did I uh, explain that reasonably clearly? Yeah, no, you did. And so what it sounds like is that you're, we're really going from a situation of, you know, we, we know what we want to accomplish. We need to have a plan. And as we start to pull that plan together, we need to be able to tie both the human element, so people who are using the facility with the physical element, understanding, you know, where people, which type of spaces people are using, is the physical environment, so is it, is it the right temperatures in that space? Do we have the right type of airflow in the area so that, you know, people feel energized, you know, is the lighting uh, appropriate, right? So it's a mixture between the building systems and also the occupancy issues. And so I know, Eddie, are you still, I know you're, you're on the line with us. Tell still us a little bit about, okay, great. Tell us a little bit about how we should relate all this together. Is there a way to centralize it? Because one of the things that we saw from Griffin's study that he did with Cornet was that it seems like there's a lot of systems and to be able to pull information from multiple systems and having to look through it all delays the ability to make effective decisions. How do you go through and centralize all this information so that it's all related in one place and you've got one source of truth? Yeah, I think um, I think the, the what was explained here earlier was really spot on and, and perfect with regard to all of the different things that are taking place in, in, in real estate. I mean, we've gone from being quite antiquated and, and, and you know old school because the real estate industry has just been ran a certain way for, for decades. Um, and now we're trying to jump into the whole data analytics and, and everybody is talking, you know, analytics this, analytics that. And the truth is, for a long time, even now, most places you have, if you think of building portfolios, you have the building engineering that's responsible for your you know, building management system, your, your HVAC and then your core building systems. And then you have, in a lot of cases, a lot of organizations, you have, you know, HR and, and everybody else that's worried about how do we bring people back? How do we bring people back safely? How do we know who's where? Uh, and make sure that, you know, we're, we're taking care of all the things that we talked about here, you know, a few minutes ago. There are two kinds, right? You have the existing buildings, which, again, have been, you know, built and done a certain way, and then you have new construction. And existing buildings, it takes somebody that can really dive into the details of, one, what's available, two, how can we tie what's available with, you know, with this called the foundational platform or operating system that could then make use of, you know, one, the, the you know, the things that have already been put in the building. And then two, how do we add to that to drive these different efficiencies, whether it's, you know, comfort for the people that are inside the buildings, whether it's safety, whether it's energy and sustainability and other operational um, um, operational efficiencies that you can drive. So um, to do all of that, and, and there are you know, quite a few different platforms out there and, and, and tech companies that are doing everything from, you know, some are you know, making an occupancy sensor to Ken's point, some are making a quality sensor, and then you have the companies that 
you know, are doing and, and talking about AI and ML with regard to like HVAC as an example. And there's been a lot, you know, there's a lot of money that's being poured into these things. These different, you know, advanced but still siloed uh, platforms. And in, in my opinion, I think being able to pick a company from, you know, starting with that MSI part that's talked about quite a bit in the industry, the master service integrator or systems integrator who actually can, again, dive deep into the existing portfolio, understand how to pull the data from the existing systems and then tie it with what's possible and, and, and existent, you know, again, as, as was talked about earlier, that's a huge deal. And then new construction is picking somebody early enough that can represent the owner in a way from a data perspective, because, you know, you have the architect and the engineer that are doing you know their jobs and so on, but having somebody that could kind of tie it all together and go, okay, what are we putting in? Are we putting in proprietary systems? Are we putting in systems that actually speak the, the you know, a language that can be translated where you can normalize that data using, a, you know, an ontology that makes sense. But again, it, it's picking the right team. It's picking uh, the right platform uh, that allows for scalability and that speaks a multitude of different languages, whether we're talking APIs and IoT, whether we're talking financial systems on the other side or building systems and, and the multitude of different communication protocols that are there. Being able to being able to pick the right platform that does all of this is, is kind of the key, I think, to being, to being able to get the results that are being talked about in, in, the, in the industry today. Great, great. You know, I would ask the panel, you know, kind of final question here. For an organization that wants to be able to start to use their data more as information and help them with strategy, what would be the three steps that they would need to consider in order to start to get that process moving forward? I think the first step is having business objectives, you know, figure out what it is you want to accomplish. Secondly, figure out what data you need that will help you satisfy the various use cases, you know, in support of that. And the third thing I would say is not so much a step, but a, like a caution. Don't reinvent the wheel yourself. Doing all of this, tying everything together is exceedingly difficult to do, a, a lot more complex than you would imagine. And, you know, providing that, that glue is, in a sense, it's undifferentiated heavy lifting. It's extra work that you can take on if you want to, but it doesn't add value because you, you can get that from a platform. You're better to focus on your own you know, business objectives and, uh, and those kind of needs. I don't know, but if Griffin or uh, Eddie, if you guys have comments. From my standpoint, I, I, can, I couldn't agree more with you there. I think it's taking all the steps you spoke about and again, having doing the due diligence and, and knowing where you're going with it. Because if you take all those begin, beginning difficult steps uh, and do them right at the beginning. And then again, have that operating system that can tie it all together. Then you can let software do kind of the rest of the job. If again, as long as you've picked the right operating system and the right platform, but it does, I agree. It does start with that step one, which is what are you, what are you trying to accomplish? And then what data needs to actually come in and be normalized to be able to drive all these other things. Because I mean, if you think about it, we're, we're building autonomous vehicles out there that are actual moving objects, you know, around different streets and so on. But yet, you know, we're still working on building autonomous buildings that are actually just standing buildings. Where, for the most, you know, 95% of the time, it's the same data, same people, same experiences that are working there. It's all doable with the right with the right operating system and you know somebody that could that could bring all these things together and kind of plan out. And I would right. just cap that off, David, with a, a final point that as you've 
gotten to the point where you've laid out those objectives, laid out your strategy and plans, thinking through expectations setting with your business stakeholders about what information will be available and when, what they can expect. If it's not the autonomous car or the sort of the, the end state solution, just thinking carefully around um, those interactions with your stakeholders can really significantly reduce the noise around data, which can be a source of frustration when expectations are not set. Well, great. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for taking some time and sharing your thoughts with us today. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in with us and being part of this discussion on data and listening to our second episode of our podcast, What's Next? Thank you. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.